Hey, y'all, and welcome back to LA Unmastered. It's me, your girl, LA. Hey, hey. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie to any of you. I've been sipping on this JMO and ginger, which I have discovered is my favorite drink of 2020. So, with that said, I'd like to formally apologize to Zach because. This is going to be an interesting show for you to mix, but I'm going to keep it together and keep on pushing. First of all, I just want to check in on everyone right now. August really came in like a hurricane, but like actually with a hurricane, Isaiah's like, what the hell? If we didn't need anything, it was definitely a hurricane. Um, we are also in like month five right now of quarantine. Most of us are around day 140. Oh my goodness, y'all. But if you're listening to this, you made it. You woke up today. You are surviving. Keep your head up. And that's all we can do. This episode, we're going to get into house music from its creation to its inception to its timelessness. If you were an 80s baby or a 90s kid, we really grew up with house and techno. We have watched it evolve and become an entity that will never be controlled. From club culture to festivals, this genre has taken over. It has crossed every line and boundary. Inclusivity is its nature and its founding principle. Funny story, after I recorded the intro, I proceeded to get something to eat or at least attempted to and ended up passed out on my couch. So it's a new dawn, it's a new day and I'm feeling good. So let's get into Unplugged. I want to talk about the dopeness that was the first ever Brick Celebrate Brooklyn virtual music festival. I had no idea that Michelle Butu was hosting. She made it so much fun. Her commentary was hilarious, and I just loved when they cut to her in between sets, moving and grooving. She's probably one of my favorite comedians right now. I first saw her on Key and Peele and then on an episode of Broad City. But she was hilarious in the Netflix movies, Someone Great, and of course, Always Be My Maybe, which starred Ali Wong. Her role as Veronica took me out. And shout out to her for being Prego in her third trimester with twins while filming that movie. Like a damn champion. The first set I caught was Madison McFerrin, who performed in the middle of the Arizona desert. What an image. The best part about AZ is its beauty. It's overwhelming every single time. I tuned in just in time for her rendition of the national anthem. She mixed it with her song, Can You See? You hear a melodic, hands up, look down, but that won't keep you out of the ground. Ooh, that hits my heart. She ended it with a perfect Black Lives Matter, just like that. 
loved it. Remember when I said I only recognized Jimmy and Whitney's version of the national anthem? I'm going to add Madison's to that list as well. The last song she performed was Try. This track is so damn pretty. She had me tearing up. Listen to these lyrics. But no sacrifice comes without mistakes. And we could fly, take a leap of faith. Sometimes I feel like I'm impulsive, but this song reminds me that I'm just hopeful and believe that my faith will be my safety net. Oh, yeah. And if her last name sounds familiar to you, it's because she's a part of a musical dynasty. Her father is the incomparable Bobby McFerrin and her brother, who I've actually seen live, is Taylor McFerrin. He's a future soul DJ and creator. What a family. Next up was Jungle Pussy. I cannot emphasize my love for her enough. She is just the coolest ever. Not only is she a New Yorker, I found out that she's my Jimmy Akan sister. That makes so much sense. Her song, Mina Kier, should have given it away for me. Her set, although brief, was just enough time to soak her up. I for sure wanted more, but Virtual Fest Life is short and sweet. What took me out was that she had herself as her own backdrop, looking like the Spice Channel back in the day. Y'all know you're nasty and know exactly what I'm talking about. That made me love her even more. She was her own background singer and dancer. I love it. You think you're popping because your new chick low maintenance? Yeah, you can't handle it. I don't have the patience. Your stroke was weak. Nah. Oh, like whoever she's talking about, I hope you're sitting in a corner staring at your new bitch like real mad. And she gives a shout out to my Haitian people live with my Haitians. Keep it Caribbean when you kick it with my crew. Keep your blood clot mouth quiet. I don't fuck with you. Let me interject and say it is an assumption in Caribbean culture that Haitians and Jamaicans do not fuck with each other, but I'm living proof that they do. Ew. Okay. Although I have only met one other Jamaican Haitian chick, so maybe we don't, but we should. So I respect that line so much. And my girl has a violin on this track, which I think I mentioned gets me so hyped. Trader Joe ended the set. It's such a fun song. Jungle Pussy really knows how to open up a track. I think I like him more than I like Trader Joe's. I'll swallow kids if he starts eating vegetables. A lot of mercy, gal. Oh my God. But I love this part. I'm a mango mommy, pero te quiero, papi, but not more than I want to be making so much money. Mm. She's just great. She didn't play this one, but if you're looking for a sexy ass vibe to cruise or bump to, Get Down featuring Rico Love is all that. Listen to this shit. Fronting on me is what you not gonna do. Visions of my body so optical. I go with your love if it's logical. So crazy. Yeah, I like that one. Fun fact, her birthday is Halloween. And it really only makes sense that she's a Scorpio goddess, obviously. I may dress up as her as Halloween this year because I want to respect and honor her. Finally, Questlove did a set for about half an hour. Too much fun. My mom actually joined in on this one for, with me. We had a good time. When I tell you we were sweating like we were at the club, he started playing joints from her heyday, like when her and my dad would hit up Popeyes and then Copacabana every Friday. Um, Copa officially closed this year. RIP. It's very important to note that my mom started the fedora, halter top, and short short trend, just so everyone knows. Mm. But she started going off when he was mixing joints I didn't even know. When he hit that Clean Up Woman by Betty Wright, may God rest her soul, me and my mom got down. 
I'm trying to mimic her 70s soul moves as we like having a good time. Um, wait, if she asked, I never said that because she wasn't even alive during the 70s because somehow my mom is 32. For reference, I'm 34, so I don't really know how that works, but FYI. Um, he then played Eric B. and Rakim's Thinking of a Master Plan and went into Hypnotized by Biggie shortly after. That was a really good crossover. I love that he makes rap funkier than it already is. It was a scene to be seen in the Allen household. So I was supposed to go to my first ever Lala because it was free and I could watch from my couch, but I didn't. Watching old concerts and festivals kind of makes me sad and uncomfortable right now. I mean, I was in a mood, but such as quarantine life, day by day, hour by hour, catch me on a different wave. But I made the YouTube channel available on the Lala event page at launmaster.com slash unplugged. If you go to the calendar and hover over August 1st and click the link, you'll be able to find Lala Music Festival 2020. So Clubhouse Global has been one of my favorite virtual weekly parties to attend. They start at 5 p.m. every Saturday. You can log right, right on on their website. They have given an opportunity to so many DJs and artists to not only showcase their talent, but to help them make some money during this time. Guests are asked to make a donation, but only if they're able to. They have so many new and upcoming DJs, but also some familiar faces. Jadena has been DJing, which is there anything this finance man can't do? Like, damn. Mm. He has a totally different aesthetic, though, and I love it. He's in a tank or a dashiki, hair flowing, just hitting the turntables. A lot different from his suited and booted look. I very much enjoy it, though. Mm. Also, Coco and Breezy were on there DJing, too. These are twins who are luxury sunglass designers. So talented in so many ways, and I had no idea that they DJed. Yo, they just turned 30 last week, which means they were young-ass babies when they started their company. So good for them. What an inspiration. On some real shit, I'm so tight that I missed their carnival Tabanaka night a few weeks ago. Like, tight, tight. Oh, and I can't find the whole thing. I'm just seeing snippets. If anyone's seen the whole thing, please send it to me, please. Um, but this past Saturday on August 8th, Clubhouse Global hosted Moonshine, which is a collective that curates events centered around African and electronic music. So your girl took a random ass three hour nap and missed the beginning of Moonshine, but logged in just in time to hear Ugandan DJ Campire mix Pump the Jams by Technotronic with Missy's Cool Off. Then went off into the Afro-Caribbean sphere. She put me on to Bicycle Rim by Edwin and then Sieta by Bala Bala Boys, who are Congolese rappers from all over London. This track sounds very similar to Soka. Then she dropped some Megan and went off. Next up was Akantu, who started off a little smooth. He's a DJ out of Montreal, and he's cute, cute, like, mm, mm. Then I heard a familiar voice. It was my girl, Moonchild. It was a song called Azafa by Low Keys. Akantu put on a party. He was singing along and drinking. I loved it. And I have a question for my Ghana, Nigerian, and South African massive. In your particular nations, what do you call a bashment? Because this is what his set was like. Like, I wanted to be in someone's basement staining the walls with my denim shorts, which has happened in real life. Can someone please confirm or deny that this was Fabiola's house? Because that's what I remember. It was a mess. <laughs> The thing I love most about Afrobeats is that it reminds me of how connected my people are to Africa. Like a lot of songs sound like Jamaican dance halls or Soka out of Trinidad and also Compa from Haiti. 
He played Tuchigol by DJ Mirko and Mwanda Menikin. Every Zoe would listen to that and be like, this is compa. I love that so much. And I'm so glad that the music from the African diaspora has been flooding our ears as of late. Foreigner was the last DJ I saw, and he was not fucking around. As soon as he got to the turntables, he was like, let's get to work. I love it. He hails from L.A., but born in Trinidad, raised in Caracas and Brooklyn. Like, what a life. His sound is so cool. The diaspora meets the club. He mixed in some One in a Million by Aaliyah too. Ooh, Afro beats with R&B and OG house. I cannot. He then took it to another level with the reggaeton. Damn. He remixed Pop Rendelo by El Chic and Big K. It was straight fuego. After his set, Bonbon Kojak came on. He's also another DJ from Montreal, and I watched a little bit of the beginning of it, and he was playing some French hip-hop, which I really dug. But then your old girl had to turn it off because I was super tired from making Reels videos all day. Yo, that shit is hella fun, and I apologize in advance for all these videos that are about to pop up on your feeds. <laughs> So in the beginning of quarantine, Major Lazer hosted Laser Sundays every week. They helped me get my life as summer started. Perfect weekly stress relief. Major Lazer are the kings of dancehall mumbatone. I'll break down mumbatone a little later, but Cliff notes it's Afro-Caribbean vibes mixed with reggaeton and electronica house music. Yeah, so I learned so many things while making this episode. Number one, jillionaire Christopher Leacock is Trini? I always thought he was British for some reason. Like, I, I don't even know why. But one of his videos popped up in my IG feed and I'm like, wait, what? But it makes so much sense because anytime I've seen them, they always include class Ahsoka tunes. And I'm like, oh, OK. Number two, he left Major Lazer a year ago to pursue a solo career. What the hell? Like that breaks my heart. But I'm going to need that solo LP ASAP. But he was replaced with Eric Alberto Lopez, a dancehall DJ from Texas known as Eight Drums. Walshy Fire and Diplo are still going strong, but no offense to Eight Drums at all, especially because he's fine. But there will never be another trio like Dip, Jill, and Walshy. Every Sunday for most of the day, they were throwing a whole ass bashment. They usually post their set times on IG, but they were performing on Twitch. It's wild. I believe that they have stopped laser Sundays, but you can stay up to date with them on the Mad Decent live Twitch account. And serious big ups to Major Lazer for doing big things. They did a song with Beyonce called Already, which was featured in Black is King. And their remix of Savage is the best. Like you have to hear that. It gets me so yummy, for sure. <laughs> they also are out here making tracks with Marcus Mumford. Like, they really just stay bringing the worlds together, and I'm here for it. So I only knew about Twitch from one of my coworkers, Ryan. He made money off of there from people watching him play video games. Like, that was wild to me, but also had me thinking, could I pick up this controller and boss these little kids in Cruising USA? I probably could. However, Twitch has been taken over by so many DJs and musicians during quarantine. My bae, like for real, Marc Rebier, got his start on Reddit and is now using Twitch to perform for the masses in his underwear. And I want it every single day. 
His songs have me clutching my invisible pearls. His songs are raunchy and hilarious all at the same time. Like you don't know whether to laugh or finish. <laughs> my favorite tracks are Look at That Ass, It's Cold Outside, and of course, the banger of the year, Let Me In, I'm Trying to Fuck. Uh, uh. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. It's so good. Like, why is that so good? But on some real shit, he's hosted fundraisers for therapy services and Black Lives Matter. Him and Queen Erica did a performance together, and it was just as weird and magical as you were imagining. Just scatting and screaming away. Like, like, what? It was just, it was actually perfect for the times. Fortnite has also taken over, been taken over by musicians, and it's so visually appealing, it makes sense. I watched Travis Scott's performance early into quarantine. I'm not a huge fan, but he's good. He killed this and really elevated this new trend. He set the bar for Fortnite concerts, honestly. Major Lazer also used this medium, and it was as imagined. Don't forget that they had the self-animated series, so this was right up their alley. Did y'all know that John Boyega voiced Black Market or that Ezra Koenig, lead singer of Vampire Weekend, voiced Ryland? Like, can those two be any cooler? Like, seriously. And then DJ Tiesto was, of course, DJ God, which makes sense. And I need to stop and give some respect to Tiesto because I remember when he would play Savannah's and Mirage, a.k.a. Glow. I always think about that. Like, we really did not appreciate that legend that was before us while we were sipping our vodka crayons. So this BAP wants to talk about WAP. (laughs) And that's wet ass pussy. Ooh, I just wanted to say that out loud. Like... What did I say last time? I live for women talking about their kitties. It is empowering. And I'm so here for it. Don't get me wrong. I was blushing through most of the video, but I was also very hot and unbothered. Okay. These two look so damn good. I don't know why, but it gave me Willy Wonka vibes, like a whole ass delicious candy shop. I know Megan said she was terrified of the snakes, but I'm so glad she overcame her fear because my goodness, that imagery alone, damn. Okay, so my favorite lines, please, please, if you have little ones, watch out because I'm about to do a deep, deep dive into some of these lyrics. Okay, I'm being nasty. I like it. First, first one that got me was when Cardi says, I do a Kegel wallets inside, spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This pussy wet. Can't take a dive. Oh, my God. Cardi. Wow. First of all, ladies, Kegels are extremely important to vaginal health. So be sure you are doing them alone or together. Like these lyrics are raunchy and filthy and I love it. These like these are positive attributes for me in regards to a sexual experience, just so you know. Making love is beautiful and all that, but when have you had the most fun? I guarantee you it was the time that you were playing Juicy J in the background and not the time you had on Brian McKnight. <laughs> Speaking of Juicy, him and 3-6 have a whole ass song about slobbing knobs. I didn't see anyone trying to protest that shit back in the day. And what about bands that make her dance? When Juicy said, you say no to ratchet pussy, Juicy J can't. <laughs> Yo, that's, I love that fucking line. It's so good. But was anyone telling him to watch his mouth or to cover up the dancers in the video? No. 
It's like y'all would rather watch men sexualize us than us be sexually empowered. It's fucking weird. People were sitting here talking about how degrading this video was. And I'm sitting here Googling, where can I find a white tiger print bodysuit? And all you 80s babies, especially you men, you better not be talking shit if you had Kim's hardcore poster hanging up on your wall, okay? The next jaw-dropping lyric was, I want you to touch that little dangly thing that's swinging the back of my throat. My head gave us fire, Punani Dusani. Like, okay, first of all, I had to look up what that dangly thing was called again. It's a uvula. Now, if you were a human who's had cranial relations with a man or a woman with a strap, you know exactly what she's talking about. That's what made the line so good to me. That is so real. That is the best thing about the whole song. There is no proper demeanor bullshit. It's raw and gritty. Women are extremely sexual creatures. It is so refreshing to hear women speak about sex in this fashion. I know in my first episode, I discussed the hypersexualization of black women, but Cardi actually says it best in an IG video. Y'all complain about her rhyming about her kitty cat, but when she did a song like Be Careful, no one wanted to hear that from her. And on top of that, there are plenty of female lyricists not rapping about their coochies and y'all ain't trying to listen to them. That's the thing. It's all about balance. Black women are so multifaceted and beautiful. I love it. We are all entities. We can be either Mary, you know, Virgin or Magdalene. And it's a different thing when we own it. We take back the conversation. And this track is about what we're going to do to you, not you telling us what you want. Also, it's too bad she already has a contract with Pepsi because a Dasani campaign would be clutch, but they're owned by Coca-Cola. A damn shame. Maybe she could do something like, I'm going to be asking what's love got to do with it like I'm Tina. Love don't matter to me as long as I'm wetter than Aquafina. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> but anyway, the last lyric that sold me on the whole damn song and concept was when my girl Megan said, when I ride the dick, I'm going to spell my name. Ah, girl, what? Y'all are lying if you tell me you didn't try and spell your name right quick. It is possible, people. I was on my couch like, wait, what? Then I was like, okay, that L could do something. Okay, that A, and then you cross over to finish. Oh, that U. Okay. Like, I've heard of going through the alphabet when you go down on a woman, but spelling your own name? Ooh. And I got another idea. You got to take it to a whole other level and make them say it after we spell it. You feel me? You got to make sure this man is literate. The goth Chola reposted Feeling Fisky's tweet about the lyric, and it was so great. They said, she's advocating for community-based literacy programs focusing on one-to-one and small group learning opportunities. In this essay, I will demonstrate how community-based literacy programs modeled after Stallion strengthens one's mental and physical facilities for the long term. Amazing. These are the think pieces I was looking for after this video, not some patriarchal nonsense. I'll be sure to retweet it and share the post on IG as well. Speaking of Twitter threads, exciting news if you've not heard yet. They are turning Isaiah Zola Wells' infamous thriller Twitter thread into a movie. If you've not read this thread, I'll be sure to uh, reshare it or retweet it on my page so you can see it. You have to read this. This is a story about a wild ass situation Zola got caught up in while she was dancing at a club, which somehow led to murder. 
Want a reason to read this shit? This is how it starts. Y'all want to hear a story about why me and this bitch here fell out? It's kind of long, but full of suspense. Okay, listen up. This story long. So I met this white bitch at Hooters. I was her waitress. She came in with an old ass, big ass black dude. I will not give anything else away. You have to read it. When I tell you I got the same amount of thrill as I did reading The Girl on the Train, I was enthralled. Reading it, you just knew it had to be a movie. This soundtrack is about to be fire too. I just know it. And I'm going to be tight if Young Baby Tate is not on this album, specifically Wild Girl, where my girls getting money, where my hoes getting dumb. Shit, I love that song. Not only is this an A24 movie, they landed Taylor Page as Zola. She is most famously known for her role on VH1's Hit the Floor, but I became a fan of her after I saw her in her role as Kathy in White Boy Rick. Then you have Riley Keel playing that bitch she fell out with. This isn't the first time Riley has played an exotic dancer, mind you. She had a small role in Magic Mike. I also just watched her in this movie called The Lodge, creepy as fuck, very Ari Aster-esque. After the unfortunate passing of her brother, I learned that she is the daughter of Priscilla Presley. Sorry to be a buzzkill, but it is important to mention Benjamin Keough. He was only 27 years old and committed suicide. Again, this pandemic has taken its toll on all of our mental states. Not that anything is ever normal, but these times are exceptionally atypical and isolating. I will always stress the importance of therapy and working on the improvement of your mental health. If you are in immediate need, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. If you're a New Yorker, you can also call the Emotional Support Helpline at 844-863-9314. Again, that's 844-863-9314. This week's Uncharted is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to highlight some DJs whose mixes you should be listening to. The first two DJs I found while watching a Clubhouse Global set. First up is Novena Carmel. She is a DJ, host, programmer, and experimenter out of Cali. Novena incorporates a lot of soul into her mixes, which makes a whole hell of a lot of sense when you find out that her dad is... Sly Stone, you know, the namesake of Sly and the Family Stone. I want to thank you for letting me be myself again. (laughs) Novena is a member of Wallpaper, which included Ricky Reed, who is known in the industry as a producer and songwriter. He actually produced Lizzo's Truth Hurts. Let me tell you, not only can Novena spin, she can dance and sing. I watched one of their performances on YouTube and she killed her cover of Eno J's I Want to Be Your Lady Baby. At night, I think of you. I want to be your lady baby. If your game is strong, give me a call, boo. Okay, I know I said on IG that I wasn't going to sing as much, but I'd be exaggerating. <laughs> Yo, but I can't believe I remembered Enoj's name, by the way. I was shocked. Like when I double checked myself, I was like, okay, memory. Music really does stay with us. Like I remember the video and her name popping up on the left side of the screen. I love when music takes you on an involuntary adventure. 
I do not believe their group is still performing, but Ricky Reed is clearly still making bops and Novena is still doing the damn thing. You can catch her show on KCRW Saturdays and Sundays from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. For us East Coasters, that's going to be 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And you can download the KCRW app or listen online at KCRW.com. Head to her website, Novena Carmel, and I'm not trying to say caramel her last name's carmel so it's n-o-v-e-n-a-c as in cat a-r-m-e-l dot com and you can find a lot of her mixes there and then you can follow her on ig at novena carmel uh go to her feed watch her party it up to some brazilian funk it was really cool she had a little stuffed animal i don't know what that was about but it was clearly inside joke um but that was for an event she partnered with the natural history museum of la like who would have thought about that partnership Novena is really a whole vibe. Next up is DJ Patrick, and that's Patrick P-H-A-T-R-I-C-K. If you go to his IG page at DJ Patrick, the first thing in his bio is dad typed out four times, then DJ. And DJ Patrick seems like the coolest dad ever. First thing is first, DJ Patrick did an Erica vs. Jill night at Namu Bar in San Fran in 2008. You have to go to his SoundCloud and listen to that mix. A man ahead of his time. A favorite mix of his that I listen to is called Cocktail Hour. It's an hour long and it's just a good one to let ride through. It starts with this scene from The Wood where Tamala Jones is talking to Tay Diggs about his upcoming nuptials. And I will say it over and over and over again. The Wood is a must-see movie for anyone who likes movies. This particular mix is tagged wedding. This is actually a perfect cocktail party playlist. Romantic, but not cheesy. Like there's a Stevie Wonder song on there, but it's the track he has with Raphael Sadiq, Never Give You Up, which he blends with Nakamura by Hiatus Coyote, who is a future funk soul band out of Australia. Then that was mixed with a reggae version of the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Like what I tell you about my people, we turn everything into a reggae tune. After that, he gets lost in the dub sauce for about 20 minutes, ends that by taking Sean Paul's I'm Still In Love With You into what you think is Tribe's Bonita Applebaum. He does eventually get there, but he plays the song which they sample first, Daylight by Ramp. Okay, just listen to it. It's a perfect chill day vibe. Other than being a dad and a DJ, he also runs Sessions LA, which is a music writing, production, recording, and DJing program for youth and young adults in LA. Fuck yes. Let's say it one more again for everybody who didn't hear me the first time. I come up, you come up. And it's important to note that he is a reputable local artist, but not an international superstar. Yet somehow he manages to take what he has and do good with it. Lastly, I want to give it up to Lux Posh. I found her on the most necessary thread, Black Female DJs. I'll retweet this one again on Twitter. Bernicia Rubin goes by the DJ name Lux Posh. Doesn't that name sound edible? Is that weird? Like, just so smooth. Like, you want to sip it or just take a bite in it like a juicy chocolate-covered strawberry. Anyway, Bernicia hails from North Carolina. She's also part of Full House, which is a DJ collective out of Raleigh. I fucks with that name all day. It's a good one. It's really intelligent. You can find Lux Posh Mixes on SoundCloud as well as MixCloud, which I just discovered. It's a British streaming service which hosts radio shows, DJ mixes, and podcasts. There's so much on this site, so if you're ever in need of something to do one day, that's it. 
I put on her 6618 mix. Before I knew it, I listened to the whole 55 minute session. She has a deep house flow to her, but she mixes it to make it a little heavier. So picture disclosure, even though they say they're not deep house. Okay. Vibing with the blood rave jam from Blade. Which is a fucking New Order song. Remixed. What? Did anyone know this? I don't know why. I've never looked it up before. It was just always fun when it randomly was like came on in the club by a house DJ. So this New Order song is called Confusion. But it's the Pump Panel remix. Also known as the Bloodbath remix. This is where my Steven Dorff obsession started, y'all. Like, Fab and I would watch Blade over and over again and literally just go deacon 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 during the blood rave like what eighth grade boy crazy broads so anywho around 905 on the song so nine minutes and five seconds she starts going in this mix gives me very crystal waters meets eric prids meets parliament meets disco vibes like it's all of it just all around fun time if you're trying to do a happy hour with friends or a lockdown solo party that i personally like to have this is it put this on and just bop i promise you you won't be able to sit still and since it's August, her late night August mix on SoundCloud is exactly what it sounds like. I feel like I'm back at the park in Chelsea. Ugh, I miss that place. Why did it randomly close last year? Does anyone know that? Like, I don't even understand. But it was a restaurant with trees inside. But on the second floor, you could vibe and dance. That's where I really learned about deep house music. Also, Output's rooftop was dope for this as well. <laughs> Aside from her SoundCloud and MixCloud, you can find Bernicia on Facebook and Instagram at LuxPosh. To learn more about these DJs, please visit LAMaster.com slash Uncharted. What Uncharted DJs have you been vibing to nowadays? Hit me up on IG or Twitter and let me know at LAUnmastered. I would love to know who I should be playing in the background at Club Home. This week, I'm shouting out the black skate community, specifically black women in this space. This is a male dominated sport and scene, but there are so many women shining bright and elevating this faction. Proper NAR is a streetwear brand whose purpose is to create skateboarding merch, everything from clothing to decks, all in the name of girl power. Latasha Stone is the founder and creator of Proper NAR, which is the first black female owned skate company. So all the respect to her because that is major. Y'all have to check out these decks. First time I saw them, I was like, now I need to learn how to skateboard so I can ride one of these. Some of her decks were featured in HBO's Betty, a comedy about a diverse group of female skaters holding their own among amongst the men who think that they run the sport. But until I can get my arthritic knees together and learn how to skate, I'm just going to rock the 100% tee that I bought in black. The tee features this gorgeous chick rocking hoops that say that bitch and her hoodie says my body, my choice. I cannot wait to wear this one outside one day. Proper NAR also sponsors a small all-female skate team. Latasha hosts skate contests and meetups, so be sure to follow her on IG at Proper NAR. And that's proper, and then NAR is G-N-A-R. Another skate trend making its way back into popularity is roller skating. I've always wanted to be in a skate crew, like an ATL. Shit, once I found out Nunu's real name was Lauren London, it was over for me. But like in ATL and Rollbound, skate crews are usually men. However, now you have Umi Janta, who is a roller skating instructor out of Berlin. You've definitely seen her videos all over, just shining and gliding. 
Her dancing and skating to Thinking of You by Sister Sledge brings me so much joy. Find her on IG at Umi underscore Janta. So that's O-U-M-I underscore J-A-N-T-A. Crown Kings also made the coolest animated gif of her. I love it. Find them at Crown Kings and that's crown without a O. If you enjoy Umi's content, please also check out Esty, E-S as in Sam, T-Y. Her gliding to Sizz's broken clocks is everything I needed. I've been listening to so much control, by the way. Lastly, I want to give it up to Butter Roll. This is a New York-based roller skate social enterprise focusing on BIPOC wellness, and it was created by Amy Callado. I found them through a classmate from university, Mr. Reed. He was posted on their IG page in the dopest getup. And let me tell you, he was the flyest dressed man on campus and one of the sweetest souls I've ever encountered. And that man can sing. So find him at Mr. Reed Entertainment. And that's M-R-R-E-E-D-E-N-T. And follow Butterroll at Club Butterroll. To send me any Black-owned business recommendations, please visit laonmaster.com slash BLM and fill out the form. You can also email me la at laonmaster.com or call me 646-389-9079. All right, so last episode, I said that punk was in my top three favorite music environments. This week, I want to talk about my number two, the house community. Not only is this probably the most diverse scene, it's also the most freeing. Club culture doesn't discriminate or shy away from eccentricities. They're almost required. Clubs built on house are so welcoming. The only obligation you will have is to dance. You don't have to be a professional dancer or even a good one, but you have to be willing to cut it up and willing to let go and let loose. When I was younger, I wasn't huge into house or techno. I mean, CNC Music Factory, Crystal Waters, and Technotronic were everything in the 90s. And I even had a serious Benny Benassi, Flatboy Slim, and Oscar G phase in college. I just never really got into anyone else. These weren't really artists I was putting on in the car and riding around to. Mm, Oscar G, Addicted to Drums, is the exception. In the late 2000s, after college, I was going to Long Island institutions like Savannah's and Mirage, a.k.a. Glow. These were what we allegedly call clubs on Long Island. And you know what? I'm not even going to hate because I was at Glow every Thursday night for ladies night for like two years straight until it closed. And I got to give I got to see Oscar G live there, Busta Rhymes for like the 20th time and Ray J. And that man put on a show. But still, these were just fun nights out dancing around with my friends. At the beginning of the 2010s, my best guy friends, Ace, Adam, and Balfi, loved Swedish House Mafia. Like, I mean, they saw them at every venue and dropped coins to see them live. I just didn't get it. I was always down when they wanted to go to Summer Jam, but to spend guap on a rave? Pass. Then I went to Coachella 2012. This was not something I would ever do. But in 2011, my life changed forever. As some of you know, I was hit by a drunk driver on the Wontaw Parkway on September 10th, 2011. Yep, that's 9, 10, 11. 
He was going 90 miles an hour while driving with a 0.18 blood alcohol level. His speed was so outrageous that he hit me under my bumper, lifting up the back of my car, preventing me from braking. Probably the most terrifying experience of my life. That January, I had shoulder surgery. I had PT for my neck and shoulder until 2015. I still feel the residual effects at the most unpredictable times, mind you. It's the worst. But this is why I always speak so highly of the year 2012. My entire life and perspective forever changed. I was always a spontaneous person, but somewhat reserved when it came to adventure. In 2012, I said yes to almost everything. So when a friend of mine I made from San Diego invited me to Coachella, I said, hell yes. I had never been to a festival, but I was pumped to go. I was most looking forward to seeing Florence and the Machine, the Black Keys, M83, Radiohead, Kendrick, and of course, Dr. Dre and Snoop, which ultimately ended up being Tupac. My friend Raven was big into the house party lifestyle, and she opened a door for me that will never close. Yeah, Coachella, it was cool to see David Guetta because I loved Sexy Bitch. Calvin Harris was so much fun, especially because I met my ex at Coachella that year. So seeing We Fell in Love in a Hopeless Place live had a lot of sentimental value. But our very first day there, which was 420, we saw Martin Slovic. When I tell you I had never felt energy like that before in my life. Mind you, this is during the day and it was a full on party. A crowd of people just breaking it down and dropping it like it's hot, literally because it was hot as hell. But it didn't matter that it was 105 degrees outside because we were all vibing. Like, you could feel the vibrations coming off of everyone. I know that sounds like I was tripping balls, but I assure you, at that time, I was not. I had no idea that this music could make me feel this way. Like, the stranger dancing next to me was my kin. The same night, my universe expanded. I saw Swedish House Mafia. I had no fucking idea. These dudes are so talented and have it down better than most. I could feel my heartbeat through the earth. I could feel the crowd in unison. I'll never forget any of it. Hearing Greyhound for the first time? Ain't nothing like that. I'll go through this song in more detail later because, spoiler alert, it's on my top five list. But I remember that very next morning, I called Ace and was like, bruh, you didn't tell me it was like this. And he was like, bitch, I've been told you. You just never listened to me, which is very accurate. So I apologize. The best part of Coachella was the silent disco, which went on through most of the night. If you've never done this, I recommend it. Well, maybe not now, but in the future for sure. You put on headphones, the DJ spins, and you dance your ass off. It's a genius move in regards to avoiding any noise compliance issues. But I'll never forget this. At one point, I popped off my headphones and just heard everyone stomping and quietly singing, This is how we do it. Boom. This is how we do it. But everyone thought they were so loud. Oh, that was just a blast. And fun fact, yes, I indeed met my ex at Coachella at the silent disco on the last night. Aside from a wonderful six years together, I'll never regret our relationship because the way we met was just utter perfection. I proceeded to attend Coachella the next year in 2013. 
where I saw the legend himself, Benny Benassi. For those of you unfamiliar, satisfaction was a banger. Push me till I can't get my satisfaction. You know what I'm talking about. And it's important to mention that all the people complaining about the WAP video clearly never saw this music video or Eric Prince's Call On Me. House music videos were just as raunchy and wild as rap videos. BET Uncut really missed an opportunity there. Speaking of Eric Prince, his set was cool for nostalgia reasons. I also got to see Moby. That was a fun set. Such a throwback. The one thing I noticed, though, was that Benny and Moby leaned toward injecting a hardcore and dubstep vibe into their sets. It was odd. It was like they were just trying to keep up with the younger crowd who was all about that life. It wasn't as vibey or dance worthy as I thought. And I remember not really loving the scene that year. I discovered this the first night when we decided to check out Bass Nectar. We had heard about this new DJ on the block and had to see him. So, of course, we went. Yo, we stood there and we're like, um, what? I just remember my girl Raven turning to me and saying, I feel like we're being brainwashed. And I'm like, girl, me too. So we immediately left. Bass Nectar is a dubstep DJ. That name makes me so mad, by the way, because dubstep sounds like it should be like some type of reggae house concoction. Nope. Instead, it's robot sex music and not like ex machina robots like T100s when they don't look human. Not a fan. Legit gives me a headache. I'm going to come back to Bass Nectar later because besides making horrendous music, sorry to my peeps who love dubstep, but I'm really not sorry because ill. Um, Bass Nectar is also a shitty human, so we'll dig into that later. Cello 2013 was dope for other reasons. It was the second time I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers, first time seeing Phoenix and Vampire Weekend, and yeah, yeah, yes, they were just incredible. Oh, Karen, oh, love her always. Lumineers actually killed it, surprisingly. Like, people really sleep on Lumineers, but they're good. I belong to you. You belong to me, my sweet home. And oh, okay, I won't. But it's good. Stop. All right, so LaRue was probably the best dance party set that I saw. It was so good. And you know her. This time, maybe I'll be bulletproof. Oh, that was so much fun. Oh, I like it, like tingles of memories. I love it. Um, Pretty Lights was also really fun. And Wu-Tang was obviously epic. 2014 was just a bust, period. Like, that Coachella made me so mad. It was absurdly crowded. The Sahara tent, which is where most house DJs would perform, was overwhelming every night. It wasn't worth being crammed in or dancing in the middle of the pathway. I was super bummed about not being able to booty pop to Empire of the Sun. I mean, I made up for it by seeing them at Terminal 5 a few years later, so I guess it's all right. But the Yuma tent was the air-conditioned rave tent, basically, and that year it was so packed you couldn't even get in. Aside from that, Outkast's big reunion was lackluster. Like how B.O.B. was one of the most boring songs of the set. Like that just had me disappointed. And this was the year that I had the worst journey, if you will call it. That was actually the last time for me. End of an era. Because I was a disaster. I went back to the tent to lay down. I missed Lauren Hill performing with Nas. When I tell you I woke up, 
and just cried for a good majority of that day. Like it was a mess. The magic had faded. I slowly started to see it happen over those three years that I went back to back to back. It just got too big for its britches. In 2015, a bunch of us headed to outside lands. Definitely more my speed as I was about to hit 30. This was in Golden Gate State Park in San Francisco. The crowd was older. The acts were legit. I mean, I saw Sam Smith, Billy Idol, and Elton John back to back to back. You cannot beat that. Kendrick Lamar was incredible. He put on a dope ass performance. The visuals of Compton in the background while he was going off. It was just extremely moving. Ah, uh, Django Django. I didn't stop dancing throughout their whole performance. Glass Animals was bomb. Dave Bailey can get it too. Homie's voice really sounds like that. Like it's not electronically altered at all. There wasn't much house, but we did see Axwell and Grosso, which is two thirds of Swedish house. Of course, we went buck during that set. There was one DJ there and I will never forgive Cameron for this. He made us Miss Mumford and Sons to go see this space DJ. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It sounded like aliens, but not in a fun way. The best set ever, though, DJ Mustard. He was a wave. He was mixing hip hop and house, and I was just living for it. Like, when we get out of here in 2022... That is the first show I'm going to. So DJ Mustard, if you hear this, you will have at least one fan that's ready to see you perform. I did three more festivals out after that. Gub Ball, Panorama, and Lost Lake, all in 2017. Gub Ball was, uh, like, got to see Childish Cambino, like, the highlight. Uh, best part about Panorama, though, was seeing Frank Ocean. Mm, he was legit on my vision board for that year, so I was really living. I saw Tribe perform for the last time ever right after Fife had died. It was really sad, but like it was a part of music history. And like I said last week or last episode, Nine Inch Nails. Highlight of Lost Lake, Major Lazer. This was actually my second time seeing them. They were at Coachella 2013. Every time I see them is the best time. I'll never forget seeing them crowd surfing while in hamster balls. Like that's their thing. It's... I'm, I'm into it. Coachella was actually how I found out about Major Lazer. For a Caribbean girl who was just starting to get into house, I found them to be the perfect artist for me. Major Lazer is one of the first to hit the Mumbatone scene. The genre was created by DJ Dave Nada. He was DJing for his cousin's cut party in DC at his house, and he needed to please a crowd of people who wanted to hear reggaeton and bachata. So he took Afrojack's remix of Moomba by Silvio Ecomo and Chucky slowed it down from 138 beats per minute to 108 beats per minute. And there you have it. And that's where the name came from, too. Moomba from the song plus reggaeton gives you Moomba tone. Y'all have to hear both versions back to back. It really is so cool to hear the difference and what happens when you change BPM. Like, it's very interesting. You can dance salsa to Mumbatone or pop yes if you want. Like, I don't think Dave knew the impact that this genre would have on everyone. Why I like Major Lazer so much is because they take it to a whole other level and add dancehall and lovers rock. As we all know, reggaeton and dancehall are filled with Afro-Caribbean flair. You can hear that clearly with every drum beat. It's like a bashment before the club. 
Like I keep saying, it's all about contrast to me. It's all about combining sounds that don't typically belong together. Keitronada is another one of my faves for this very reason. He takes R&B and soul and combines it with Deep House. Some of his tracks like Oh No featuring Estelle and The Worst in Me featuring Tinashe, both off of 2019's Bubba, are on the slower, vibey side, like perfect stroll music or lounge with a small dance floor vibe. Ooh, and then there's You're the One off of 99.9%. That's another good jam. But then he also has classic hip-hop house tracks like Drive Me Crazy featuring Vic Mensa and Glowed Up with Anderson Pock. But my favorites are the ones that are a bit more upbeat with heavy vocals. So there's Bullets featuring Little Dragon. Yo, Yukimi Nagano's voice is everything. And then there's also Together featuring Aluna George and Leave Me Alone with Shaylia. And those three come to mind when I'm trying to think of an example. Those are actually all on 99.9%. Oh, and my favorite off of Bubba is Culture featuring Tidra Moses. I don't know. Something about K brings me back to the 90s, like Soul Train meets MTV Spring Break style. He was the best to see live. I saw him at Output in 2017. RIP to Output again. Like, I miss that place, especially the rooftop. But I guess it doesn't matter because summer's canceled anyway. But it was just the best place for a DJ set. Ooh, Idris Alba there? That was the last time I was at Output. Yes, Idris Alba. Mm. Anyway, but I also saw Kay at Afropunk, which is really good. He's just honestly such a good time, and I can't wait to be let out of quarantine so I can see him live again. I think why I love Kay so much is because he is a modern-day epitome of house music. House music came up during the post-disco era, which makes so much sense because you can hear so many elements of disco in-house. House was born one night in the early 70s after a Bette Midler performance in New York, okay? Larry Levin and Frankie Knuckles, who were just two young-ass black teenage DJs, got up on stage and did something different. They blended rock, soul, R&B with disco, thus creating House. They in turn invented the dance remix, which every 80s and 90s album had on there. Even one of the most popular ones you may heard, the Rock With You MJ dance remix, was created by Freddie. These two invented a whole genre which will last a lifetime. Just like disco, this was an all-inclusive environment, especially for BIPOC and the LGBTQIA communities. All were welcome, no matter what. Another major player was London's own Paul Oakenfeld. When he came to America as a teenager, he became a journalist and managed to sneak into clubs like Studio 54. It inspired him, thus turning him into the legend that he is today. Speaking of London, we have to talk about drum and bass. It was a derivative of house and hardcore that incorporated reggae and groove. It had a fast, swingy melody to it. Probably the most popular DMB song is Sweet Love by Anita Baker, remixed by MB and Naslin. It takes this slowed down love song and revitalizes it as a club banger. Once you dig into drum and bass, you can tell that Prodigy was definitely influenced by this music. Are they categorized as that? They probably are. If they're not, they should be. But also, according to a tweet by Questlove, so were the roots. In the You Got Me break, it was inspired by drum and bass, which makes so much sense. And you know exactly what part I'm talking about. He's like, if you don't worry about when... 
And then it slows down. Oh, mm, that is a forever mood and jam. All right. So house culture, let's bring it back to that, has the best parties and you have the best times. You literally vibrate off each other, like I said before. And unless you're having a bad trip, it's impossible to not be happy in this environment. But see, there's the thing. Being a product of disco, house came with the drug culture. There was no longer just booze and coke. You now have MDMA. What's interesting is that MDMA was only banned and made a Schedule 1 drug in 1985. I say only because that was the year I was born and I'm refusing to believe that it was that long ago. So it was only 1985, okay? In the 70s and 80s, it was being used by psychiatrists as a patient treatment, but then it also hit the streets. It was the club drug. In the 90s, there was an influx of death among the youth who were a part of the rave culture. What boggles my mind is that there were so many commercials about not smoking weed and none I can remember about ODing on ecstasy. Meanwhile, kids were literally dropping dead from this drug. Again, weed is illegal for bullshit reasons. Anywho, nowadays, drug culture has gotten so mainstream that you got songs about popping mollies and sweating. Woo! Taking perks, sipping scissor, and eating zannies. It's kind of scary. Something that happened in the late 2010s is that the demand for Molly increased, but there was not enough supply. So what happened? Drug dealers started cutting MDMA with heroin, acid, meth, and you name it. Molly was supposed to be the pure form of ecstasy, but it was anything but. I cannot even tell you how many times I saw people pass out at festivals, seizing, or surrounded by medics. And these kids looked young. That's the problem. Most of these festivals are all ages. So not only are you tripping balls with a toddler right next to you, you have these young ass teenagers getting access to these drugs. Listen, they're going to find a way regardless if they want to, but festivals are the physical representation of Candyland. It's dangerous and it scares me to be quite honest. Another issue I have with all ages house shows and festivals in general is the plethora of assaults against the youth that have taken place. It's a pedo's playpen. It's unnerving. And I don't just mean the attendees being creeps to these kids, but the artists too. Going back to Bass Nectar, in July, an Instagram page popped up called Evidence Against Bass Nectar. There were so many accusations being made against him. So many young women saying that he forcefully touched them, molested, or raped them. It was so foul. I believe all of them because I've only seen him that one night for like two minutes, but the crowd was filled with youngins. This is who he attracts and I cannot help but feel like he is sinister and a predator of sorts. Like he knew he had access to these young ass girls and took advantage of their fandom. It makes me sick. The worst part is that you know he's not the only one sexually assaulting fans. Dad Sick had similar allegations made against him in 2018. Graves made a bogus apology after he was accused of rape by multiple women in June 2020. And just four days ago, on August 7th, Eric Marillo was charged with sexual battery in Miami Beach. See, every genre of every music community has its demons. 
When you combine drugs, which lower inhibitions and the element of stardom mixed with the youth, you are unfortunately going to have some horrid acts of brutality. Ooh, y'all should watch Party Monster at your own risk, though. But it really goes into the club scene back in the 80s and it's a, and its destructive capabilities. And it's a true story. Yes, we are in 2020, but it is a new evolved beast. You also have dumbasses like the chain smokers who threw a big ass Corona party in the Hamptons. They are now under investigation. Thank God. On Twitter, I've been reading about underground raves. Like this scene is supposed to be about celebrating being alive. And yet there's such a blatant disregard of life. Listen, when I imagine 1920s prohibition speakeasies as the theme for 2020, I didn't mean like this. There's a pandemic. It's not a dumbass law that we're trying to protest. People are literally losing their life because they went to go see a friend or went to the grocery store. What do you think will happen to you in a crowd of people? Underground clubs and dying does not sound thrilling. I'm ready to get back into it myself, but not like this. The mask trend was already a wave in club culture, so I look forward to being cute in my mask, shaking my ass in 2022. Although people slept on it and dismissed it as ridiculousness, We Are Your Friends is actually a quality movie. I saw it on cable when it came out five years ago, and I just rewatched it since they put it back on Netflix. It stars Zac Efron as an aspiring DJ in the San Fernando Valley. Okay, so I hear it. I understand why people side eye it. I get it, I get it. But it really is so good. Not just the acting, but the music too. There is a romantic and dramatic element to it. You got Emily Rajakowski and Wes Bentley. Yum. So it gets a little sexy and devious. The title comes from the classic Justice track. Because we are your friends. You'll never be alone again. Come on. Woo. Okay, a relevant mention, it also stars Shiloh Fernandez, who is just fine for no reason, like recite poetry to you while wearing his finest Lenny Kravitz attire, fine. Mm. Okay, off track, as per usual. There are two quotes from the movie I want to share. The first is from the character Squirrel, played by Alex Schaefer. He says, as they're taking shots and getting prepped for the night out, this moment right here with all you guys, this is honestly my favorite part of the night. The moment before it starts. That right there, especially now, gives me chills. Pre-gaming before any night out is fun, but when you know you're going to go out and spend the night with your homies losing it on the dance floor, it's something different. That anticipation is exhilarating. I miss that so much. Thinking about going clubbing now, it's just like, oh my God, a crowd, people sweating, heavily breathing everywhere. Nah, fam. But when I tell you that used to be my favorite part, being in the crowd on top of each other, sharing that energy, I really miss that feeling so much. It's indescribable. You feel so interconnected to strangers. Everyone just wants to dance with everyone. No one cares who you are, what you're about, your gender, sexual orientation, religion, color. On the dance floor, we're all just heartbeats. Which leads me to my second quote, probably one of my favorite movie quotes ever. I think about this scene often. It made the music make sense and put a scientific spin on something I consider considered otherworldly. He goes through the steps of rocking a party. Okay, that sounds hella corny, but follow me. 
He says step one is to get the crowd out of their heads and into their bodies. He goes through anatomy and how music controls different parts of the body, demonstrating that the bass line gets the hips and booty moving. Then this is where it seals the deal for me. Next, you want to zero in on their heartbeats. I like to start at 120 beats per minute. That's equivalent to the heartbeat of a long distance runner. You see, BPM is the name of the game. It governs how you how your body moves. For example, reggae is slow, about 60 beats per minute. Dubstep is actually 140 beats cut to half speed, so about 70 beats per minute. House is 110 to 130 beats per minute. Then there's hardcore, 190 BPM. Not sure how you dance to that. Once you've locked into their heart rate, you start bringing them up song by song. There's a popular myth that 128 beats per minute is the rate that synergizes most with your heartbeat. That's the magic number. Once you've gotten your crowd there, you're controlling their entire circulatory system. That's some shit because it makes so much sense. It's why you feel so connected to everybody on the dance floor. Our heart rates are synced up and we are one entity. And that is why I love House. It's impossible to feel alone or detached from the universe. House is a bridge to unification. House music can save us all. Here are my top five favorite drops. Number five, Pendulum, Salt and Wounds, courtesy of Evan. Evan is a dear friend of mine and he knows his shit, his DJs, electronic music and festivals. This man put me on to Girl Talk, which makes me forever grateful. When I asked him which track has the best drop, aside from saying anything from Glitch Mob, he chose Salt and Wounds. Speaking of drum and bass, Pendulum is a D&B band out of Perth, Australia. Actually, two of their members, Rob Swire and Gareth McGrillin, are a part of Knife Party. Now, you can kind of classify Knife Party as dubstep, but they're definitely more drumstep because there's an actual rhythm in their music. Listen to Bonfire, which incorporates reggae to see what I mean. Salt and Wounds is classic D&B. The sped up beats that almost sound like hardcore, but again, it's more controllable. This track makes you want to bop your head. For me, the song gets hyphy at about four minutes. It's very Matrix. It's like what JP listened to in Grandma's Boy. Yeah, he was 100% a douche, but he had some good taste in music. Number four, Cascade and Adam K. Raining, courtesy of Sergio. Sergio is another good friend of mine, and he brings every night up a notch. If you go out with Sergio, you will live on the dance floor. We saw Justice and Crystal Castles together on New Year's Eve Eve in 2016. It was the best time. He's also the greatest shader. So on my birthday this year, I was a disaster. Like I was a mess real early in the game. In the beginning of the night, I was in this cute-ass sequence Ralph Lauren skirt with a Fuji's t-shirt and fresh Converse's. I changed into my sweats after I started feeling cray. This man looks at me and says, Lauren, what happened? You were so cute before. Then this pity face side-eye combo. Let me tell you, I felt that. I still crack up about that shit because like, he kept it all the way real with me on my birthday. It was great. Okay, back to the song. Raining starts out with the sound of rain. Then Sun Sun's sweet voice comes in and it's a vibe. It's very classic Minogue. 
It's that type of track that sounds so pretty and then the beat drops, then there's this beautiful melody, then the beat picks back up and it's like, yes, it's perfect 2010, which makes me think of Vegas with my girls. I can't believe it was 10 years ago. Good fucking times. Trist, XS, oh damn, we ran that shit. I don't care who knows it. We were popping. Number three, Swedish House, Greyhound. So the beginning of this song sounds like Knight Rider meets Mad Max. Like, but talk about a buildup. These three picked up the BPM to the perfect levels and have you just like, okay, okay. Then slowly but surely you hear the dun 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 The drop comes in, you feel like you're free falling off the edge of the world, but you're excited, not scared. You didn't know where it was going to take you, but you go with it. Seeing this live was one of the happiest moments of my life. I can play this song now and the hair on my neck will stand up and goosebumps cover my body. It's the best feeling. Number two, Major Lazer. Watch out for this, Bumaye. So I never knew the meaning of Bumaye. I knew it as a call to African pride, honestly. Bumaye means Ali kill him in Bantu. It comes from the world-renowned 1974 Rumble in the Jungle boxing match between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. This fight took place in Kinshasa, Zaire. Kinshasa is now known as the capital of the Republic of Congo. This is my favorite major laser track. It is a real dancehall rhythm, and it features reggae royalty busy signal. Also on the track is Flexican and FS Green, a DJ and producer, respectively, both out of Amsterdam. The drop, though, is one of a kind because you don't know which way they're going to take it. It's like, do I get ready to whine or shuffle? Luckily, you get to do both. As the song builds up, you hear the claps in the background and then it gets louder and then Busy Signal is getting louder and then you hear him say, mash up the place and then you hear it's a perfect blend like where you can drop it like it's hot and beat up that beat it's so good number one oscar g and ralph falcone i'm addicted to drums this song perfectly sums up how i feel about music can't hide it i won't deny it I'm addicted to drums and I'm a slave to the dark beat, beat, beat. Okay, yo, but facts. I don't care who it is or what type of music it is. If the drums are weak or just stagnant, I don't want it. Again, this is another track that gives me very Blade Blood Rave. It's so dark and deep. Very vampire or zombie cheer routine, if that makes sense. Yo, I think I always wanted to be a vampire. Like, after I saw Interview with the Vampire, I was like, that's it. Like, that's fun. And, of course, Aaliyah as Queen Akasha, yes. Whatever, I'm going off on a tangent, but Vampire would be fun as well. I don't care. It's the second drop that makes this song for me. It sounds so apocalyptic, but sexy. Using the Mad Max reference again, but this time thinking specifically of Tom Hardy. Hmm. He makes me want to vala holla. <laughs> Woo, okay. So what they do is repeat beat, 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 like I just did before. Then all of a sudden you hear the sha, 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 and then a siren go. Dah! Then you're like, dun, dun, dun. 
Dun, 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 dun. Okay, yeah. So these drops just don't hit when I try to explain them. But luckily for you, you can go to elionmaster.com slash top five and listen to them for yourselves. So something happened while I was recording this episode. I got an alert that Joe Biden selected Kamala Harris to be his running mate. Yeah. So I didn't want to say anything and I wasn't sure if I should say anything, but I think it's important and relevant for me to make this comment. In 2016, I walked into that voting booth and hated myself because of all the horrible and awful things that the Clinton family had done in Haiti. It was just, how could I go in there and and do this? But I had no choice. The other option was someone who is every type of ism and phobic in the book. That's just not an option for me. Yeah, I could have voted independent or not voted at all, but I was too scared that that would lead to this man getting elected. And it did. Yeah, it happened. So now here I am again in November 2020. I'm going to have to go in that booth really upset. Because Biden and Kamala collectively have put so many black and brown people in jail. And a lot of those people are innocent or in there for minor ass crimes. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, am I going to be okay with doing that again? And the answer is yes. Because... I cannot emotionally or mentally go through another four years of this. And if we have another four years of this, know that it's going to be worse. I was three years old when I had my first racist experience. I was in daycare and a little boy told me that I couldn't be April from Ninja Turtles because I was black. So I yoked him up and I put him on the wall and told him that my daddy said I can be anything that I want to be. So I had to have the talk about racism and not putting your hands on people on the same day. But I think about that. My parents were a year younger than I am now having a conversation with a three-year-old about racism. That's crazy. So from three till now, almost 35 years old, I've seen it. I've experienced it. It's awful. But what I can tell you is that these last four years have been the worst. I've seen and heard the most despicable things you can imagine. And all I keep thinking about is that if we do this again for another four years, It's only going to be worse. On top of that, the probability of me being killed is gone up. And this is not me being dramatic, but we've seen it. Hate crimes are all the way up, all the way up in the last three three years and change. And the way things are going now, with all the protests, what happened in Chicago and the, the, all the media and the headlines are talking about, oh, they're looting and rioting. No, why don't you talk about the fact that a cop went out there and shot somebody? 
Like, and the people were fed up. The people of Chicago who y'all don't give nothing to. You don't fund no programs. All you do is fund these cops and make it this police state and nothing gets better. It's just getting worse. So obviously more cops ain't helping, but you don't want to give more money to the programs that these people need. So when they wild out because they've reached their limit, you're talking about how they're looting and rioting, but not talking about what the actual problem is. To imagine that for four more years and just getting worse and where it's going to be everywhere, especially with their Operation Legend that they're taking all over, this is not going to be good. Another four years of this will destroy this country. For black and brown people, indigenous people, for people who are underserved, underprivileged, for the LGBTQIA community, I tell you right now, I can't speak for everybody and I'm not going to try to, but I can tell you that we're scared. That we already seen what he can do. And, or not do, basically. But watch what people do. You think people are emboldened now? Yo. So I know a lot of you are out here right now definitely debating, like, why am I even voting? I'm going to write in Bernie. I'm going to do this and that and this and that. Let me tell you right now, you're going to be real mad if we have another four years of this. And if you think that we can make the changes that we need to take, have the revolution that we need to have with him and not lose so many casualties to this war that we're going through, you were sadly mistaken. We have a lot to do. We have to defund the police and fund programs. We have to diversify the professional workspaces. We have to just make this world a better place. But the first thing on that list is to get that man out of office. And if you don't know that, then you really need to sit with yourself and think about it. That is number one. He has caused so much destruction. And it's painful. It's painful. What I've seen these last four years breaks me. And yeah, was shit bad before? Was shit bad when Obama was in office? Absolutely. But guess what? Obama ain't president right now. This thing is president right now. And it's only getting worse. Everything is getting worse. The kids who are in cages, more of them are in cages now. And more of them are missing. They're keeping some up in a hotel. What? With not keeping, not even keeping track of them. We don't even know who's in these hotels and what they're doing with them, where they're going. And then, oh, another 1,500 disappeared. We don't even know how. Nah, bro. I don't trust this government. So you need to stop and think to yourself, are we really going to have this revolution if we can't all come together and agree on the same first step? Can't we just collectively unite and agree that the first step is for us to vote this man out of office? Yes, it's always lesser of two evils. Yes, the electoral college and two-party system is trash and it's corrupt. But guess what? We can change that after we get this man out of office. And that's all it is. That is all it is. 
we can continuously do the work and start reaching out to legislators and doing this, that, and the third, right? We're doing that work right now. Absolutely. And that's not going to stop. It's only going to increase as time goes on. But if you think that it's not going to like all the work that we're doing now, we're literally going to take 18 step backwards and we just made five steps forward. I'm not trying to go backwards. I'm trying to move forwards. I'm trying to get shit done. And the only way we're going to do that is if we get this man out of office. And the way that you do that is that you vote. That's it. Register to vote. Do the right thing and vote. Because I tell you right now, I cannot. I'm just not equipped for another four years of this. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And if you are struggling and if you're trying to decide or figure out why, I urge you to talk to people from the BIPOC community, the LGBTQIA community, the Jewish community, the Muslim community, and so on and so forth. Please, please sit down and have a conversation with them. And another thing I want to say, liberals, whatever or whoever you are, you classify yourself as, especially white liberals, please stop telling black people to stop talking about Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris and the things that they've done to our community. We could talk about it. We could talk about it all day long until we're blue in the face. That's not being divisive. That's not changing anything. If you decide not to vote because of something that you learned about Kamala or Joe Biden, that is on you. That is not on any of us. So please stop. We can be more than one thing. Remember, we're multifaceted and liberals always talk bullshit about how they're so open, this, that, and the third. Y'all ain't open about shit because you can't, you don't think we're smart enough or like able enough to talk shit, but still walk in that voting booth and vote for this man. And it's not hypocritical. You know what it is? It's for our survival. It's so we survive. It's so that we can continue on and that we can have a better life. That's it. That's it. We just want a better life. We just want equality. We just don't want to get shot and murdered on the street and have, be like, oh, so what? Like that shit could happen to me. I could be Sandra. Like, you know what I'm saying? I could be Brianna. It's scary. That shit is scary. It's a lot and it's overwhelming. So I just want y'all to do the right thing. And my girl Shanice, she had like the best, best, best way to put it. Uh, I just want to vote and get it over with. Like, that's it. We just have to do this. Like, that's just what it is. It's the first step to progress. Like, that's just all it is. So I just wanted to leave y'all with that. And thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of LA Unmastered. Fingers crossed. Hopefully after this episode, I'll be available on Apple Podcast. Keep you posted about that. As always, please visit LAUnmastered.com, email me LA at LAUnmastered.com, or call me 646-389-9079. Eddie Amador, an international DJ out of Phoenix, Arizona, said this in his famous song, House Music. Not everyone understands house music. It's a spiritual thing, a body thing, a soul thing. May the rest of your day be filled with peace, love, and music, and never forget to stay doing it.